the year is 1994. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. I'm Charlotte. And this is My Marvelous Year. Welcome to My Marvelous Year, the podcast and reading club where we go through the history of Marvel Comics from its origins to today. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com, and today we have a very special 1994 Part 6. We're going to be talking all things X-Men, everything that was going on with the X-Men in 1994, including the wedding of Jean Grey and Scott Summers, and then into the Phalanx Covenant and the debut of Generation X. This is a big one for 90s X-heads. It's also something that I have come to appreciate more and more as my X-Men fandom has increased. Now, joining me today on the other end of the line, first up we have a guest who uh, is is really questioning my leadership here at the My Marvelous Year podcast after I brought in a feral, feral beast into the pod and have, have been uh, keeping them locked inside, basically my closet, imprisoned. A uh, lot of questions about my leadership abilities. Nonetheless, I'm happy she's here. Uh, Charlotte, welcome to the show. Hi. Yeah, yeah. I'm still not sure why you have Zach in prison in your closet, but uh, I mean, <laughs> fine, I guess. It was well. Honestly, it's it's one part I don't trust him. Okay, it's one part <laughs> I don't trust him, and it's seven parts. I had so much leftover meat that I just needed to give uh, to the most vicious carnivore. Makes I sense. knew, and that's where Zach enters the picture. Zach the snack. Zach the wolf pack. Zach the mac the knife. How's it going? How are you, how are you enjoying the let, closet? Let me out of here. <laughs> let me out of here. I can say what I want about Walt Simonson. You can't keep me locked up in here forever. It's just the takes are too hot. The takes are too hot and they're too vicious. And I'm just worried that the comics community cannot withstand such hot takes, as I'm sure you're going to bring to an oh, I got hot. I got dense X-Men uh, episode. Spicy, hot, flaming takes here for this yeah. episode. No, I, I'm, I'm pretty uh, not hot taked out. For uh, for X Men recently, you know what? The, the, interesting stuff here. I will say Only recently, huh? My my <laughs> biggest disappointment with the Phalanx Covenant is uh is like still walking into it. Even though I think you cleared this up, forgetting what you told me, walking into this thinking we were reading about Nimrod again, who I like. I'm, mm. I'm, a, I'm a Nimrod guy, and uh, and then walking into this and it being like Cameron Hodge or I don't know one of those nerds. Uh, Cameron Hodge is the biggest nerd. I, I, that, I think we should get That's that out true. of the way up front. Cameron Hodge, huge nerd. The worst kind of nerd, too, right? Mm-hmm. Like the absolute worst kind of nerd. Um, I'd be so... I'd hate everything that he said on Twitter, but I'd be so jealous of his <laughs> follower count, you know? Because you know Oh, well, have. yeah, he's like one of these guys who got, like, wedgied too much, and he's just like, you talk to him, and he's kind of awkward, and then all of a sudden he starts bringing up, like, skull shape. In like phrenology, and he knows way too much about it. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> like, one, of, one of those classic. <laughs> you know, well, you know, you know those guys. You didn't have those guys. Every high school has their phrenology nerd. 
<laughs> Speaking from experience, absolutely. So yeah, today we're going to talk about uh, the issues are, are well, I'm not even going to read them all because it's a whole bunch. Yeah, please. But don't. you can find them. You can find them in the show notes, and uh, as you can find, you know, everything that we're reading, right? The upcoming. Uh, episode list everything is listed in the show notes if you want to know what's coming next in the reading club the other ways you can find all the comics that we are reading and read along with us using marvel unlimited which is the most affordable way to do so um you can uh go to mountmarvelshare.com for what the old lists were or for the most contemporary version of the full lists you can uh back us on patreon patreon.com slash my marvelous year for as little as one dollar a month you can get access to the full spreadsheet i update this uh every time we enter a new year in the my marvelous year calendar um, I, I update it from what, you know, I put these lists together, you know, six years ago now, and uh, now I update it to reflect what's available in Marvel Unlimited, what uh, what I think is more important, perhaps, based on my increasingly enhanced and um, almost frightening knowledge of them. I, I don't know. Are you, are you frightened of me, would you say, um, Zach? <laughs> like, yeah, in, I'm in awe of your... You, you know what? I will say it is... I, I'm, I'm increasingly... You know, just like solidifying my stance that like I am just not an X head, and, and everyone knows this. It's not a surprise. Um, but like I, I am seeing more and more like the appeal of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I get it. Like I have that those kind of like little nerdy fandoms. Like I'm just starting to replay Metal Gear Solid again, and uh, and it's like getting me all into you know Wikipedia page dives and like trying to find out every little fact and trivia about mm. all the the weird esoteric. Um, lore stuff about this series and i get like so into that that game and that series and i like i can see that for x-men it's just um i I think my hesitation on becoming that like because that sounds fun like i I like that idea it's just that like one there's so much of it and two i think like so much of it is just so so right it's just kind of like you're you're eating a lot of uh fiber to get the uh the the minerals out right like there's just uh like a lot more to, to sift through, right? There's no guarantee. It's not one person, you know, working on something. So you have a lot of um, ch- chafe, chaff, chaff. I always have a problem. I, I'm both <laughs> chafing always... and chaffing. Yeah, no, <laughs> I know. So, but, but this is this really isn't like making fun of it. I, I get it. Like, no, I hear I, you. I understand it. Yeah. I mean, I, the, I think the, you're. Uh, I think you're spot on, honestly. In in a lot of ways, where X Men fandom, um, superhero fandom in general, you know, when you're when you're doing it across generations like this you know across mm-hmm. the decades uh it is yeah it's not you're not sitting down generally to enjoy one excellent work like that mm-hmm. is a, yeah. that is yeah. a tremendous right. rarity obviously in the marvel universe um you are sitting down to sift through lore you are sitting mm-hmm. down to see the continuation and extension of a thing that you've invested heavily into um and you know probably most importantly you're sitting and hoping and waiting for the next excellent thing, you know, mm-hmm. because when yeah. they hit, they're incredibly exciting. Uh, sure, so I, there are some high highs, I think, but the, there's a lot of middling stuff in in between. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I'd even say there's very few like low, like there's not that many low lows, right? It's not just yeah. like there's a ton of misery. There's just a ton of like kind of so so passable mediocre comics which you know what like i also get like i I fully understand being like i'm just so into this that i'm fine like reading the mediocre stuff because i still you know what i get out of it outweighs that that's just not personally for me um the case but i can see that like and i can see that here right especially here reading this um let's before before i these comics respond to sort of my own journey with these comics charlotte i want to throw it to you what are your where are you coming to after having read you know kind of the the wedding episode and then like the phalanx covenant and generation next stuff was this new for you how much did you enjoy it um, i'm curious kind of where your your baseline is 
Uh, I hadn't read it, but I knew like the big lines of what was happening, and I'm I'm definitely way more interested in the Fading Covenants and Generation Generation X stuff because it feels new. There's a mm-hmm. new cast of characters, and the the stories are focused overall on different characters. Uh, the wedding stuff felt a bit more like like we've been reading this for the past five to ten years, I think, mm. I fe- or at least it feels like. Um, yeah, so I was way more interested in the Failing Covenant stuff and the, the Generation X stuff, because I think also part of it is that that's what interests me in X-Men comics post-Claremont, is having those new generation, those new ideas. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm definitely on a similar wavelength. So I, we include, for the the wedding season, um, there's more stuff we could read. What I included for the reading was X-Men 28. Oh, there's more X-Men comics that we didn't read, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's I'm the shocked. thing, though. My most year, we're going to curate, we're going to fast-track this baby. And uh, I'm, I here's mean, the thing. You here's the thing. You may not love these. it, but you're going to thank me. You're going to thank me. You can me. tell reading this how much is going on that we're missing, right? Just and yeah. we're and so much Just X-Men. X-Men. That's not yeah. even talking about Excalibur and X-Force. Sure, I mean clearly, like something's up with Logan. Logan's on yeah. some kind of uh, vision quest here that we so <laughs> we can we can they talk never about spell that. it out. But, yeah, well, tell, but, tell but, but I do think that. we have context for all this stuff, and I think we can we can talk about why that is. Um, so in the reason I picked these these issues to kind of get us to the wedding is X Men twenty eight hits us with what's going on with Sabretooth and the X Mansion. Okay, so basically what happens here is Sabretooth, arch enemy of Wolverine, murderer, seemingly irredeemable. Um, he is captured by the x-men professor x decides to imprison him in the x-mansion and essentially undertake an attempted rehabilitation process not um not totally dissimilar from kind of what wolverine had to go through although and, and people draw that, that exact way. parallel people like yeah. who question saber rehabilitation are like yeah he did the same thing for logan and look how like we all love logan now so yeah, exactly. That is, that is brought up. Yeah. So the it's kind and it's it's not it's not a a really disinteresting quest. Like it's actually I think it's actually somewhat interesting and something that is played with in X Men comics right now in interesting ways. Um, which is like who among mutant kind gets to play, right? Like who among mutant kind gets to be a part of the Professor X vision, you know? Um, and we're at the point certainly in the mid '90s where it's like, well, if you're a bad guy, quote unquote. You don't get to be a part of this. And bringing Sabretooth throws everything on its head because it's it's kind of being like, okay, but even with Sabretooth's past, which is heinous, he has done some heinous things. <laughs> like, it is he redeemable? Can he come around and be a part of, of the X-Men? Because unlike the Avengers, who are bringing in criminals constantly, <laughs> the Avengers, the Avengers mm-hmm. are more criminal than hero, right? Mm-hmm, um, sure. at, at various times in their lineup, uh, the X Men don't really do that. They don't really do that, uh, with exceptions, of course. Um, and Logan, you know, we, we, when he's introduced, we don't know that about him, right? We don't know the awful things he may or may not have done. You know, that that stuff is 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 added later. Uh, but with Sabretooth, we know it, right? He's awful. He's horrible. Um, he he is name a, name a crime. And you can pin it on Victor Creed, right? Uh, so yeah, I mean he's he's been I mean he's killed a lot of innocent people. Yeah. He's like we we've seen it, it's worse than like even Magneto, right? Like Magneto, you can kind of like chalk some of it up to like Silver Age villainy. And it feels and, more like real life violence too with Sabretooth. I think. Yeah, right, right, ex- yeah, yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Like he's individually killing 
you know, individual people with his hands yeah. <laughs> versus like Magneto's like, I'm grabbing a submarine in the middle of, uh, you know, whatever, I, which they bring up that submarine all the time. It's incredible. <laughs> like, yeah. That submarine is like, <laughs> I feel like Magneto's just like, you're never going to let me live there on this submarine. Huh? It was an international incident. You don't, you don't sink <laughs> a, a geopolitical rival's sub and get to walk away. Uh, I feel like it's, it's a little petty. I feel petty like just the X-Men bring go. that up to Magneto all the time, and he's like, that was one time. <laughs> <laughs> I sunk one, and I actually, yeah, actually, no, he did kill them all, right? Oh, he killed them. Those, so. those, those Russian soldiers definitely drowned in that yeah, submarine. But it was like, he's like, Jim murdered a planet. Move on. Oh, yeah, that's a good point, too. <laughs> yeah, there are arguments. Right, that. No, yeah. but I think with Victor's thing, and I don't know if this makes it better or worse, um, but it feels it feels darker. It feels more callous. Like when Magneto's doing something, yeah. especially in this era, yeah, I agree. it is for a purpose. It is for a purpose. It is for a vision, right? And it's for a vision that is not um, without, without, you know, empathy, right? Uh, but Victor is just doing it because... He's monstrous, <laughs> more often than not, or at least <laughs> mm-hmm. as far as we know. So anyway, he's there. Everyone's questioning this. Um, and, and really kind of what that is driving to, perhaps most importantly, is there's a lot of questioning of Professor X's leadership. So in the post-1993 Fatal Attractions era of X-Men, we're really hitting more of a phase where Professor you know, Professor X had a, a 90s glow up. Right, like into ninety one reboot with Claremont and Lee, we really reinstilled Professor X as the valuable leader and the father figure of the X Men franchise, and we see a lot of that, frankly, in the wedding issues, right, with Jean and Gray, uh, Jean Gray and, and Cyclops's love and and long standing relationships for this father figure. Um, but what we're seeing, and what X Men twenty eight is driving at with the Sabretooth stuff, is and and then in Uncanny three hundred nine, we see this, you know, double. Uh, his leadership, his mental stability, his his actual benevolence and sort of infallibility, you know, which can often be attributed to him, is is very heavily called into question, and that's going to be important mm-hmm. going forward. Um, so, I if you have more X Men twenty eight thoughts, I, it's cool to see Jean Grey just put a whooping on Sabretooth, I think, just like viscerally. I enjoy Great that cover. You called out that cover on Twitter, but like incredible cover. Yeah. Which is, uh, which is like, Adam Kubert. I think I gave the wrong fighting. brother credit. Yeah. I think I gave it to Andy on Twitter. But it is Adam Kubert. It's a great, great cover. It is it, Once you notice Sabretooth's hand not actually supporting Jean Grey, but on top mm-hmm. of her, it yeah, is I didn't some MC Escher stuff. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but other than that, it's really, really cool. Um, Uncanny 309 is also a very cool issue. Uh, and I guess, you know, let's let's do a little creative credits here. So in X-Men 28, you know, with the X-Men series, we're still talking about Fabian DC as a writing. And we got actually Andy Kubert pencils, I think, um, on the inside. And, or wait, no. So Andy did the, the cover too. I don't know. Maybe I'm mixing my metaphors here. Um, Uncanny 309 is Scott Lobdell is writing Uncanny at this point, And we've John Reed mm-hmm. Jr. stepping in with inks by Dan Green, who's inked him Ooh, a bunch. Good stuff. And this is a really nice-looking issue. Uh, this is yeah. a secret chapter yeah, yeah. of Professor Xavier's life. I include this one because, honestly, it's one of my favorite mid-'90s X-Men issues. Um, it's Professor X talking about his crimes and his philosophies with a the ghost of Magneto, which is which lives in his subconscious, essentially. Like, when he is mm-hmm. dreaming, he is dreaming of Eric. And they have a conversation about yeah, um, what Professor X has done wrong, yeah. uh, what his fetishes are. <laughs> <laughs> like I like everything. Uh, it's it's quite good. It's good stuff. What do you guys think of this? Um, that was interesting, and this was, it was interesting to have like I think the full full issue being devoted to what's going on in Xavier's mind, which is something that happens very rarely. 
like almost never i can't remember like an other another time when we were this focused on what xavier is thinking and why he's doing what he does mm -hmm. which often baffles everyone uh so yeah that was interesting and having like that look back at his relationship with amelia vot i think her name is which yeah. we've seen talked about but I, like it always felt like that was something that had been shown and i just hadn't read and i don't think that was the case i think it just hadn't been shown at all if i'm not mistaken yeah so Amelia uh, we see as part of the new. acolytes um yeah. which is you know the group primarily led by fabian cortez worshiping magneto uh here we get yeah that that history that kind of romance not kind of romance like a, a pretty intense romance yeah. that the, that the characters held and it is it's a professor x story that you feel like you've seen before, you know, mm -hmm. um, with Gabriel Haller, mm -hmm. I, I think. Mm -hmm. But that one is yeah, left exactly. more ambiguous. Um, when, when Professor X is in a relationship with Gabriel Haller, mother of, of David, who you know, goes on to become Legion, um, there's, there's a lot of ambiguity left by Claremont as to, like, did Professor X sort of manipulate her into loving him, right? Or was it yeah. real? Uh, it's, not, it's not cut and dry, necessarily. I mean, I think ultimately, knowing what we know about Professor X, a lot of us are like, yeah, this wasn't right like this definitely wasn't good uh, with Amelia Vought though it's like they have a relationship they're in love but then Professor X actually at one point like when Amelia is leaving he lashes out and he does full on like control her mind to make her um, stay with him but he immediately regrets well, what he does he immediately <clears throat> feels guilty and kind of he, lets he go like, he reaches out to like force his point of view into her mind he says which is yeah. interesting right like it's just yeah. this kind of like panicked response uh, and I think that lack of ambiguity that like Claremont left actually helps here Right, because then you you have a little firmer base on which to like judge Xavier, um, and and this is all his point of view. Um, so you know you can kind of maybe take it with a grain of salt because it, it's also like through his uh, his lens. But um, yeah, I, I think that's like interesting view into Professor X that we don't generally get, and also like since since this is all self directed, like this is all inside of his head, it is interesting to see like. <sighs> I, I don't know, like, I, Professor X gets talked about sometimes, like, um, as if he's just constantly conniving these, like, evil plans in the yeah. background, and I think some of that is, like, modern day stuff being, like, projected back, and, like, you have that idea in your head, but then you look and you're like, well, but not, like, we haven't really seen that, right? Like, that that's something that, like, people are taking tiny little bits and extrapolating out from, so, like, getting to actually see him, like, be like, I did this once. I actually, you know, abused my powers, and then this is how I reacted to it. Right? It was a big deal to me. This is not something I feel casually. Um, I, I like appreciated that for the character. Yeah, it's something I like about Professor X a lot. Actually, is how flawed he is as a leader. You know, I, I think mm -hmm. it's a thing yeah. that writers. I, yes, I think you're right that like there is definitely a modern <sighs> backlash and an understanding that like Professor X is a jerk, which is you know, sort of a, a reaction to the Patrick Stewart, the X-Men animated version, you know, the way Professor X, and I've talked about this a bunch, but like the way Professor X has been viewed in, in other media, non-comic stuff is as this kindly father figure who doesn't do stuff like this, you know, but his comics history is full of this and it's full of mistakes and it's full of flaws. And I think what's so effective about 309, which again is written by Lobdell, it's got really, really good art here by Romita Jr. and Dan Green. Um, what's so effective is Professor X starts this imaginary conversation with Magneto saying, I've never done this. I've never done it once. I've never used my powers like that. And then over mm -hmm. the course of the conversation, he admits, okay, well, there was this one time. And that's like a really good representation of Charlie because he, he would never say he's done this. He never meant to have done this. 
it's extremely important to him that he wouldn't do this, uh, but he did, <laughs> you know, and and I think that's going to kind of come to represent uh, a lot of his feelings moving forward is, you know, but but he does feel a lot of guilt towards it and whether that absolves him of it or not is is not for us to decide but yeah no it's it's a nice um focus just on the character and it does also you know again like the thing i will say here in terms of okay what's the relevance is uh one it builds to the wedding and kind of professor x's feelings about scott and gene why he can't be happy Mm -hmm. for them etc um but it also establishes like hey he's still talking to magneto in his head (laughs) and uh and that's gonna matter (laughs) So, all right. Yeah, and I really, really like John Romita Jr.'s art here. Just, uh, yeah. I'm a big fan of this guy. I don't know. It's, uh, I, I, I've been a little surprised by how much, like, because when you see him, like, single panels here and there, like, people bring up panels of his, he's, like, kind of maligned a bit. And, which, I, uh, which I've said a million times is my least favorite form of criticism. It is, yeah, it is yeah, useless. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, you, you can do, the, but, like, I don't know. You, you've leveled that at me sometimes, but I'm like, yeah, but it's, like, there's like 12 panels I can point to in one comic that all have the same weird issue to them, right? So like sometimes I get that, but like reading him overall, like I think he, um, like he lays out a really nice looking comic and uh, yeah, yeah, I think it, I think it looks good. Um, Speaking but, uh, of looking good. Yeah. Well, who else? Let's talk about wedding fashion. <laughs> let's talk yeah. about Ooh. wedding fashion. The big wedding issue is X-Men number 30. You know, you know my yeah. favorite thing about the big wedding issue uh, written here by Fabian DiCiesa or by Andy Kubert, inks by Matt Ryan. My favorite thing about mm. the big wedding issue, it's normal sized. It's a normal sized oh, comic. Yeah, they didn't is. oversize <laughs> it. And you know what else? Yeah. You know what else they amazingly do in the wedding of Gene and Scott? Mm. They don't, don't have a big it. interruption. Yeah. They don't Nothing. do the yeah. classic, uh, hey, we're getting attacked by, uh, you know, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants thing. There's they just no have action, a wedding. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 there's absolutely no action. Which, you know what, like, I think maybe gets that. Yeah, Scott Lobdell actually has, like, a lot of restraint. Um, well, this is Nisieza. Oh, is this Nisieza? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my mistake. Um, I was Lobdell famously the... does not have a lot of restraint, we should mention. Okay, I've he, liked uh, a lot of Lobdell Many sexual here, harassment but... allegations against him in modern times, oh. which really color... <laughs> Okay, my enjoyment right, well, of that individual's work. Okay, so now. All right. Well, let me just cross all these notes out real quick. <laughs> well, no, because we're not talking about with this issue, but like it's it's relevant going into Phalanx and Generation X. I mean, Scott Lobdell is a massive contributor to 90s yep. X-Men. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I have two conflicting feelings on this. One is I have a, a tremendously newfound appreciation for the work that Lobdell does on the X-Men franchise in this era and then the, the second part of that is this individual has a tremendous amount of sexual harassment allegations against them um, mm. in the modern day, which is why they have stepped away, you know, kind of a, a forced exit from DC Comics, you know? So it's um, it's a complicated, complicated thing, right? You have an, an individual who seems to have done some some horrible things, uh, but the contributions, if you're reading them in the 90s X-Men, they're pretty important, right? Yeah, 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 sure. Well, I mean, that's uh, reading comic books <laughs> yeah. in general. <laughs> Happens uh, too often, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least at least now it's like, uh, you know, when when they're like mid run, we're finding this out, and you don't have to be like, you know, talk. I mean, that happens. Immortal Hulk, right, with the uh, the artist there, stuff like that. But uh, it's not quite as bad. Or of like, yeah, let's you know elevate this guy to be you know th- this uh, titan of the industry, and then we'll find out all this stuff, and it will come to light. You uh, mean stuff at least Warren Ellis? The Warren Ellis paradox? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, yes, exactly. Warren Ellis or, uh, like, the stuff with Jeff Loeb. Um, yeah. Stuff like that. Anyway. Um, yeah, this wedding issue is really nice. Uh, it really, like, that. that's interesting that it's Nisieza because I've not, like, vibed with his um, writing that much before. 
But like, I really like how small scale it is. I like the like emotional moments really work. Actually, like one moment uh, got got me a little teary, which is very rare for a comic book. Which moment? Um, it's the uh, it's Scott's speech to um, Professor X at the end here, yeah. where he like talks about like everything he's done to him, and it just ends with uh, "I love you, Professor," which is like very sweet and something I don't know how much like platonic male you know admission of love like that kind of vulnerable um sure. I, i'm a big sucker for like yeah. <laughs> i'm a big sucker for men loving men platonically <laughs> uh, but no like no kidding like like uh, vulnerable male friendship is uh, is very like sweet and rare um in uh in a lot of media for me so uh, that really gets to me and I, I i like that whole bit yeah it is it is played remarkably um remarkably i guess almost safe but at by doing that, it actually subverts all of the Marvel wedding expectations mm-hmm. that yeah. I have come to yeah. have. Which you know, we just saw Peter David play with in the wedding of Rick Jones and, and Marlo in uh, or Marla in Incredible Hulk, right? Where he makes fun of, you know, he pokes fun at, oh, here comes the Skrull invasion, oh, here comes this and that, you know. Um, and, and in this, they're just like, now nah, what if we just had like a nice mutant wedding? <laughs> Can we do that? Mm-hmm. And they do. Uh, Charlotte, any additional wedding thoughts? Any commentary on? Uh, I actually one important question. There's one woman here who comes in dressed to kill. Is that Rachel Summers or is that Jean's sister? No, I think it's it's I think it's Rachel. It's Rachel Summers because she calls her mom. Yeah, <laughs> they like. Yeah, well, sometimes yeah. like sometimes sisters about, refer yeah, to each other Rachel. as mom, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no. She they have a conversation about like how Jean didn't accept Rachel for a while, but you know she really values her and she okay. wants to. An- another and, and clue, I guess. Another clue that I'm just googling because I'd forgotten is Jean's sister's name is Sarah. <laughs> yeah, well, so I don't know what I'm talking her, about. She's in Fabian's Covenants, but she literally calls her mom. I mean, oh, yeah, I think she that's is. <laughs> yeah, no, just just like a, a very regular mix-up that I'm sure a lot of readers are making. <laughs> yeah, I call I call my sister mom all the time. Too. Yeah. No, oh the, my gosh, it's so normal. Calm. The real question I had is like. Do people not know they're mutants? Because at the end, Jean is mm. dancing mm-hmm. with Professor X, and like oh, that's he's a saying, great "No, you, you can't yeah. use your powers. People will know you're mutants." And like Guido is right there. That half the people here are blue. What, <laughs> what do people think this is? <laughs> yeah, I guess like the kids. Are, what are the Leech and uh... Artie and Leech? Yeah, yeah Artie yeah. and Leech are right there too. Yeah, that's a really good point. But that moment, that moment's great. Um, yeah, no, Jean yeah, Gray, but like. like it is, but is there anyone at that wedding them. who is not aware that they're all mutants? Doesn't know that they're mutants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a it's point. a full X Men wedding. Well, right? I think I mean I think with the like they know Professor X is an advocate for mutants, right? So it's not like seeing Professor X with Artie and Leech isn't necessarily a shock, you know? Um, yeah. Because he's he's long been this advocate for mutant rights. Like he, I think that's. I think the fact that he has a school for mutants is public knowledge. Just the fact that he is a mutant himself is yeah. not. And it is one of those yeah. comics things where it's, well, like, we'll put one and one together. What do you get? Um, but I, I guess I guess Gene is also <laughs> in that camp of secretly <laughs> also not being known. I, I don't know. That's a good question. I know Professor X is definitely not known as a mutant. I, I guess Gene and Scott maybe have the same benefit because they can pass. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, it's it's interesting to see like how that still feels to me in kind of the same way that we were annoyed at uh, the Avengers not revealing their secret identities to themselves. Like it feels very old-fashioned idea of like we can't reveal that to people, even yeah. if it's like a very it seems private event. Like I don't know, it feels weird, and I don't see why 
the people at the wedding wouldn't know that uh, Jean is a mutant. I'm just, I'm just yeah, going to say it's it takes until I don't know if this is related, but it's a post 9-11 thing where the floodgates okay. open on secret identities. Um, yeah. Once it happens, yeah, yeah. it happens a lot, uh, mm-hmm. but it does not happen until then, which in retrospect, is again, is 40 years of really maintaining yeah. secret identities. Who in modern... Like who in modern Marvel is still like very secret identity focused? Spider Man. Spider people. Is it yeah. still the spider like Miles and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with with uh with caveats and asterisks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know. Sure. But but yeah, I mean, the spider people and Ms. Marvel and like the other. I think the teen heroes the teens, have yeah. that a lot. The champions. Mm. Yeah. The teens. Yeah. More uh, than adults. I think. Default. Um. Yeah. Those are those are definitely the big ones. I mean, mutant kind. It's it's relevant at this point. Um, yeah. And the Avengers, I'm trying to think if a single Avenger, like, is trying to maintain a secret identity. I don't really Maybe think that's a thing Does anymore. Ghost Rider try to maintain hmm. a secret identity? That could I'm be. Sure. That would make sense. Who? Yeah. Ghost Rider. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. guess that's true. I was forget. You know, a you know, long-time Avenger <laughs> Ghost Rider. <laughs> I, I'm I always forget like that Ghost Rider new... can switch back to a human and that, like, they would need, <laughs> need it, that they wouldn't just be always be a flaming skull. I'm like, why do you need a secret identity? I just have a vision of, like, Ghost Rider working in McDonald's in his <laughs> skeleton form. I'm not opposed <laughs> to this. You know, because we've kind of seen this with Thor, um, where he's just, like, like comics where he's just Thor all the time. Yeah. You know? Um, I, I don't hate that idea for Ghost Rider. Okay, so <laughs> l- let's let's move on to things that I don't hate uh, as well. The Phalanx Covenant uh, into Generation X. Now, I was not... When I read the Phalanx Covenant the first time, I was not nearly as... I had not read nearly as many X-Men comics. Um, it was a thing where I was like, well, it's a 90s event, so I'll check it out, you know? And uh, it's a tough one to dive headfirst into, I think. Um, if you're reading more of the context around the X-Men universe. You know, Zach, this is definitely one where I think it is, like, it is pretty steeped in the lore and in the moments of of character build that are happening in this era. And I, I, I like it a lot more with that sort huh. of knowledge in mind. I mean, I think the event, it's not like it's not understandable. Especially, so, And I should also caveat here, too. So for the club, we only read uh, kind of part one. There's like three parts to the Phalanx Covenant. There's the oh, okay. the story that gets told in Uncanny X-Men and X-Men, which flip back and forth for four issues and then clearly segue into Generation X. And then there's a story that gets told between Excalibur and X-Force. And there's a third story that gets told between uh, Wolverine and Cable. Okay? So I did not include the full crossover here because it's a lot and yeah. it would have been a lot of comics and i think if you're if you're head over heels for this stuff there's a lot more failing stuff that happens in those other parts uh i will just say up front uh if you have heard the term Douglock, <laughs> yeah I was and you want to know what's up i was gonna like, say that specifically like yeah we, yeah you see a lot of hints towards uh doug ramsey like his body and his uh like technology being used for this and then it pushes away from that and it says like if you want to know more read i can't remember excalibur i think it's excalibur yeah. and x-force is where the yeah. doug lock stuff and we is didn't. and that's the return of doug ramsey they call him doug lock because it's doug and warlock you know idea because he's he's got techno organic phalanxy stuff going on um that stuff is there it is not disinteresting especially if you're interested in that character so i would i would recommend it if you want like a reading yeah. order for all these things you know you can find it on comic herald obviously i've got a complete history of the phalanx i've got 90s x-men reading order uh pick your poison you can find it somewhere. But, okay, let's talk Uncanny X-Men 316, which is where this starts. Uh, I think we can talk about the Phalanx Covenant fairly broadly in terms of what's happening here. 
Charlotte, what was your reaction to these issues of the Phalanx Covenant? Um, do you like it? Do you not? What excited you? I really liked it. And I think like I can disagree with you on the idea that it's it's very tied to the bigger X-Men continuity. Because I yeah. think what I liked about it is that it felt to me very deta- detached from that yeah. and very isolated with uh, what characters were in it. I think that's with the caveat of me not having read those other like X-Force, Excalibur, all that. Like only the Generation Next stuff, which is the first part, I'm guessing, of Phoenix Covenant uh, contained to X-Men was very interesting to me because it's... Like, the only old characters are Banshee, Emma Frost, and Jubilee. If yeah, I'm and l- oh, and Sabretooth. Yeah. But before you get in, before we respond to that, Charlotte, this is the first time you've disagreed with Dave, and I gotta tell you, it's a, <laughs> it's a perilous road you're walking down, because he's just gonna... You're on his bad side now forever. Yeah, no, I just... Still, I, listen, no, that's not true. That is not, that is not how <laughs> no, I react to no, things. Listen, s- the tweet that I just sent out that says cancel Charlotte is <laughs> that was going to... I auto-scheduled it. It was going to get sent out anyway. All right, MMM squad, you know what to do. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> cancel squ- Charlotte. You know, what I would, you know what I would say, though, in, in terms of the density um, in my experience? And, yeah, totally fair. For me, it was more like... I think because the Fanless Covenant is so removed from the characters that I'm super familiar with, right from the the classic all new all different x-men i think that was something that was a little harder to get into and also like there's a decent chunk of of x sort of goings on like why is emma there why is Sabretooth there um stuff like uh just kind of everything with cameron hodge and stephen lang uh and then i i actually think where context helps the most is probably with the doug lock stuff uh, in Excalibur yeah. and X-Force, like, and which obviously we're not talking about specifically, but that stuff I actually found the most confusing the first go-round, uh, which which is pretty dense if you kind of don't know your New Mutants X-Force lore. But yeah, go on, go on. You're totally, totally fair but, commentary. And I think what you're saying about like, yeah, there's a lot of new characters and that can be pretty fun. Um, I think you're right. I agree with you now. Yeah, what I loved about this, I think, is that to me, it felt like the introduction of the New Mutants Volume 2, which I think mm. is what Generation mm-hmm. X is going to be. And that's yes. an idea I love, yeah. especially where X-Men, X-Men comics are right now, having that new that new roster, those new characters, those new dynamics. And so right now, I'm more interested in Generation X than in anything else that's going in the X-Line in the 90s, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, for, for me, I, I kind of agree with that also, and it's for a couple of reasons. It's like, one, I have seen these characters in modern... X yeah. comics a little bit so I have a little bit of context for them enough that I've been intrigued like uh, Monet St. Clair St. Croix what the... yeah St. Croix St. Croix it's, no, it's St. Croix okay Charlotte St. Croix <laughs> I think it's Croaks <laughs> it's French so well maybe maybe it's French we don't know that for sure um, and then uh, Phalanx no not Phalanx that's the villain uh, Penance <laughs> Sink? Oh, okay. Penance here those are the two that I'm familiar with. I'm not sure about the other. That'd like, be a power move if she just called herself Phalanx. <laughs> like, <laughs> really, can you imagine like they're fighting Magneto and they're just like, I'm Magneto. <laughs> like, Wait, what? <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, those two I've like seen around in modern comics. And so I'm like interested in those. Like when I saw that Monet was here, I was like, oh, like I perked up a little bit. Um, Settle down. But then, yeah, and, and I, <laughs> I agree that it kind of has that new mutants thing. Right. And part of the appeal of that is that also like starting something new is just easier to like wrap your head around for me at least. Sure. Yeah. So like starting Generation X, I'm like, okay, well I could jump in here and I I'm learning all these characters right along with like as they create them. There's not this huge history to them. I can just like jump on board here. 
Yeah. And I think that's also, like, an appealing part about New Mutants, even though at that point X-Men is not, like, a totally convoluted mess. Um, and, and it's not that messy right now, uh, but it's getting there. It's right? denser, for sure. I mean, yeah, I, I think you're both spot on in that, like, here's, like, so the Phalanx Covenant, these parts of it, which is Uncanny X-Men 316 into X-Men 38, blah, blah, blah. Um, it is, it's a better intro than the New Mutants graphic novel. Like, I don't, I don't think it's particularly close. <laughs> like, I like this more <laughs> at this plus Generation X. I like this more as an introduction of these characters and, and building of the mutant nation than the New Mutants graphic novel. Now, once Claremont really gets in the swing of things with, like, Sienkiewicz, which takes until, like, New Mutants 16. Remember, like, it takes New Mutants a long time to become yeah. New Mutants, which, you know, no no shade at, what is it, Bob Hall, Bob Smith? Uh, I'm, I'm getting the article <laughs> wrong, and that's that's it's, not I think great. It's but, still Bushema, right? No, it's Bob McCloud, maybe. Bob McCloud? Okay. Right. Um, but it, anyway, anyway, it takes New Mutants a, a minute to get going, and this does the New Mutants the thing of introducing New Mutants. And it also, like, it introduces a really interesting, diverse roster of New Mutants. And the premise here is just that, like, okay, so we have the Phalanx. The Phalanx are, imagine Warlock, you know, and that sort of techno-organic nature and alien nature that he has but now all that sort of living circuitry is like a hive mind collective of an mm-hmm. alien presence. little nano machines yeah yeah you know it's it's very much just like rise of the machines kind of stuff um they want to they're like sort of they can they can just take over a human body pretty easily you know that they have trouble with mutants so they're trying to collect certain mutants and kind of figure out how they can do this the certain mutants that they want to collect and that they're imprisoning early in this all are be kind of become our core cast of what generation x what generation next is going to be so we've got monet we've got uh, skin angel spinoza we've got everett thomas sink we've got um paige guthrie sister of sam from the guthrie family uh, she'll go on to be oh, i just read about her in that um Chuck Austin run. <laughs> yeah, famously, famously <laughs> yeah. known for yeah, the, I just uh, had to the read Chuck that Austin. For the, uh... What is it? She Lies with Angels? Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, that Patreon run. I uh, kind of defended those comics. If you want me, if, you, of if course anyone wants to hear me. Did. No one is uh, surprised kind of vaguely, by this. Gosh, vaguely you're going to love the Austin comics. <laughs> I don't think so. But if anyone wants to hear me vaguely defend those comics, uh, it's on our Patreon. Yeah, and then and then the other character intro here uh, is Blink, actually, who's a character that I, I have a lot of affection for, and we'll, we'll talk about her deal later but okay so that's that's the premise it's a good premise right we get a new young team group of mutants they have to get together um and battle off the phalanx they are aided by you know a surprising cast of other mutants because it's emma frost who is post coma lost all of the hellions her students in a fight against trevor fitzroy okay um and she's kind of recovering in the x-mansion and this is kind of her first redemption turn because she is joined by sean cassidy who's like the only one in the x-mansion of the mutants who like kind of aren't either controlled by the phalanx or off doing other things or whatever and then also they get a little bit of help from Sabretooth, who escapes his imprisonment here um so it's it's it is like an oddball hodgepodge of of mutants and it's pretty fun as a result uh i really like as we get into generation x i really like the dynamic between sean and emma it's great um, I like yeah. them as a duo mm-hmm. yeah. kind of headmastering <clears throat> a new form of a Xavier Institute. That's pretty cool. And, you know, Grant Morrison gets kind of all the credit, I think, for rejuvenating and redeeming Emma Frost. Um, Lobdell and, and Bocello and, and 
uh, the artists here on Fans Coming, they do it first, honestly, here, uh, a number of years earlier. So um, anyway, we got Joe Matarura, of course, on, on mm-hmm. his Uncanny Issues. Really, uh, really yeah. cool uh, images of... Um, of Banshee like blasting apart one of these the yeah. uh which, which is it the Jean Grey there's a fake Jean Grey I think um I'm trying to remember which Rogue Rogue yeah you're right yeah um yeah he like realizes that like it's a fake Rogue looks awesome the, yeah the failing stuff and like he blasts it apart with one of his screams and I'm like literally have never seen his screams you know like look dangerous or even functional really so like it was it was very fun uh it kind of it like, kind of brings to mind Black Bolt in a way which like mm-hmm. is a yeah. is a comparison yeah. i almost never make with banshee which is weird given their power yeah. set but mm-hmm. it looks awesome totally agree yeah, yeah. joe mad yeah, joe great. mad looks good here uh, oh and these. we get some inking by uh bill willingham of fables fame later on on is, uh, uh on what issue oh uh, i'm not sure some of the uh the uncanny x-men ones later on i, I can't remember oh i didn't i did head. not notice that uh, interesting and you can kind of tell too there's some weird like little details that uh, match what he does on fables well the little um, the little pinocchio this. hopping from panel to panel was real strange that did not <laughs> like fit. It, talking about israel in the background <laughs> yeah, very, very strange <laughs> it was like what is this doing here i was baffled by that absolutely um but yeah so i mean felix covenant are, are pretty enjoyable comics i mean they are i think probably the biggest knock against these four is they are for me i guess more relevant as build and setup for generation x yeah. um you know yeah, they yeah. they are definitely hey let's do this story so we can move to something i mean the the real and, and i guess this will be kind of odd if you're only reading these and you don't read the rest of the crossover because there's not a lot of resolution here with like wait are the phalanx trying to like take over the world <laughs> like what happens there like you're not going to get that in just mm-hmm. these stories um for that you do really have to read the the x46 caliber wolverine cable piece of the pie um this is more just about freeing these young mutants and getting them out of the phalanx clutches uh the phalanx as a as a threat for me um they're very similar to the brood they just look different you know mm-hmm. yeah uh and sure. they just function different it's, so i i yeah never... i mean that's, that's go that's ahead, why go like it, well like three issues into this i was like okay i think i'm done <laughs> like i get it i get the threat they're not doing anything new with it it's just a big you know robot guy attacking somebody new and saying like we'll assimilate you and uh that that was my big issue with this is that like it ran longer than it could sustain interest in that those guys as a villain right and like was not adding that much except for the stuff when we would see like doug ramsey and uh oh uh scott lang in some you know weird stephen lang stephen lang stephen lang (laughs) (laughs) scott lang is ant-man no i I know it is i didn't connect those dots that would have been hilarious if it was scotland i thought there also was a scott lang i thought they like ant-man no i thought they had two Am I just? Uh, I thought there were two <laughs> Scott Langs that no, they had aren't. just like inadvertently. Inside <laughs> of all of us, there are two tiny ant men. <laughs> one good, one evil, uh, trying to get one out. can shrink, and the other one is a mutant hater. Yeah, there's Stephen Lang and there's Cameron Hodge are the two. Okay, yeah. Well, whatever. Uh, there's faces. like little hints at the stuff that's happening in Excalibur and X Force. Um, well, and that's that widen this out. But the stuff yeah. we read, like about halfway through this, I was like, okay, I, it's not adding anything new with um. At least with the villain, right? The threat didn't feel fresh anymore. Yeah, but, and we've uh, seen but, that build. Yeah, small, of, small complaint. We've seen that build of Cameron Hodge sort of giving in to, you know, whatever it takes, essentially, <laughs> in his in his hate quest against mutant kind. In this case, allowing the Phalanx to take over, you know, that sort of thing. Um, it gives a face of evil, I guess, and it gives some some dialogue as opposed to this just totally generic 
um, you know, we must assimilate robot collective or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, yeah go ahead. I do agree with something Zach said at the beginning, and even more from having read like very recent X Men comics, is that this kind of has a Nimrod shaped hole in uh, in the middle. Yeah, right. Um, which <laughs> I, please can someone please do a meme of the Chad Nimrod versus the Virgin Kevin um, <laughs> Hodge, please. <laughs> I got that. Okay, well, Thank you. to be clear, that was not me thinking this needed Nimrod. That was me thinking that. Nimrod's name was Phalanx <laughs> when I yeah. read this. But, but what like, I think Charlotte is alluding to, without spoiling anything to come, yeah. is it's really helpful, or it could be really helpful, to ha- when you have a big collective like this, and it's all kind of AI and artificial alien technology, to have an actual centerpiece villain that is tied to it. Um, this is something that is done quite well, and I won't say how, in Annihilation Conquest, and then later in House of X and Powers of Ten. So... Um, it's oh yeah. I mean, it, that's where I get a lot of my uh, a lot of my Nimrod affection for. Oh, most most people do. Um, yeah. but it, but it doesn't it doesn't literally need to be that character. I think so much as just Cameron Hodge and Stephen Lang are never those characters for me. Uh, when they show yeah. up as supposed to be meaningful villains, like you know Hodge does this in Inferno or Instinction Agenda, and it's a big reason why Extinction Agenda is probably my least favorite X event of this era. Um, maybe of all time honestly, uh, of what we've read so far, right? Is just like, I don't care about the mad nerd Cameron Hodge. <laughs> like, he's not interesting. <laughs> um, and it, but, but you know, yeah. Anyway, so the Phalanx, I think, can be and will be more interesting as a concept. Uh, if you really want more about kind of what they mean, read X-Factor, read Excalibur, uh, read, the, read the rest of it, you know? And you can find those reading orders on CBH. So, all right, so that's going to take us to Generation X which is uh, the the series that kicks off in the wake of this. This is written by Scott Lobdell. We got pencils here by Chris Pacello. Um, this is the first Chris Pacello work that I think we've seen in Marvel to date. Uh, this is an artist who is going to do a lot for Marvel, a really, really critically acclaimed and beloved, uh, sometimes controversial. People run pretty hot and cold at him, myself included. Uh, but Chris Pacello here is coming in. He had done Shade the Changing Man with uh, Peter Milligan, over at Vertigo, and uh, if you really want a sense of what the artist is capable of, specifically in this time period, definitely check out those issues. I definitely read Shades of the Changing Man too late, I think. Uh, I should have read it more in line with like when I was reading Sandman and kind of that early 90s Vertigo flavor of like, oh, comics can do this stuff. Um, but mm-hmm. I know that is a, a pretty critically acclaimed work as well. Um, but yeah, Generation X kicks off, and right off the bat, it's like, it's a real breath of fresh air. Like, new characters, they mm-hmm. look great. Um, the comic is, yeah. you know, one thing that Pacello has this really expressive style and, and it can do some really flashy and distinctive stuff that can be beloved or off-putting. But one thing he does here in these issues is these comics read so much cleaner and smoother than a lot of what had become the Marvel yeah. style. I mean, even the Kuberts, who I generally have affection for, there's just a density, you know, that, that Lee Liefeld-inspired you know, these narrow panels and just so much going on on every page and the cross-hatching everywhere. Uh, Pacello scales that back a lot, and yeah. I yeah. like reading it a lot more, frankly. I mean, I think these almost feel like early 2000 comics to me. Th- these mm-hmm. felt modern in the way that most of the stuff we have read so far hasn't. Uh, I mean, and I think Chris ba- Bacia- ba- Bacello? 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 I looked it sure. up, and I got Bacello. And thank okay, you Bacello. to my wife for helping me decide that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a family yeah, I, project I, this morning. 
I mostly know him from very modern stuff. I think Doctor Strange with Jason Aaron, if I'm not mistaken. Sure. Yeah. Um, but like that was interesting to see, like out from him twenty years earlier, and uh, how th- I think his art is the sign of uh, like new stuff for Marvel. Like I, I can't think of an other artist that feels that modern at this time. Tim Sale um, starts boy, to enter the question around, yeah, or into the equation question. around here. I think Tim Sale definitely has a distinctive style um, that will come to define, you know, some some different looks. Uh, but that yeah. is the first one that comes to mind. I I imagine there are others, but definitely Bacello is is high. I mean, Joe Maderera, yeah. I think is is another one doing. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, Joe Mad, yeah. style. Yeah, yeah, I agree with him. Um, yeah, I get that. I, I guess. I wonder how much of that is. I feel like those super dense comics that that has to lie just as much with the writer, not giving them so much to fit into a page, right? Like mm. you, you can get an artist knows how to to make it flow and make the page, you know, just like carry you along the page and like guide your eye from panel to panel. Uh, one thing, um, one thing all. you'll find in comics criticism, Zach, is we like we like to yeah. say uh, credit goes to the writer and blame goes to the artist. It is mm. <laughs> tried yeah. and true. <laughs> uh, no, you're right. You're right. That it's a collaboration. Yeah. Agree. Yeah, I mean, you 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 know turned me around on this a little bit when we were talking about um, Bendis and Bagley on Ultimate yeah. Spider-Man, um, and just like you're pointing out, like yeah, well, Bendis has Bagley have to draw you know 19 faces in conversation every page, right? right. And like, okay, all right, well that that's a good point, something I haven't, like wasn't considering enough in criticizing Bagley uh, on those comics, and you know. Just to, to make it clear, Bagley uh, has a lot of problems. Just want to make sure I'm still bagging on, on Bagley. Didn't, I didn't introduce the segment. Bagging on Bagley with Zach. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I came around on him a lot. But that, that's like, that, that is something <laughs> definitely to keep in mind. Um, I think with the density of these comics, it's like, yeah, well, look how much text is on this page. And they were clearly told <laughs> you have to make room for this much text. I'll say uh, they're all still, like, Lobdell and Nicieza are still working in the mode of, like, way too much narration. Like they're, they're working in the Claremont of, School. I mean, it, it's the Claremont I know, it's legacy. Crazy, absolutely. And you, it's funny because just just once in a while, when you're reading these, like take a moment to read the narration and say, "Does this add anything that the art is not already doing?" And almost never <laughs> is it. It almost never is a, like actually additive to what's going on. And generally, it's ex- like there was one scene where um, they're all fighting a phalanx thing and. Uh, I can't remember. Someone throws like a gas canister inside of one of them, and Gambit explodes it. Um, and there's all this narration about like Jean Grey keeps the explosion fr- uh, funneling up so it doesn't hurt any civilians, and then it like goes on and on about like the shape of the explosion. <laughs> and I'm like, I know, I'm looking at it. I see. Like, I don't yeah. need, <laughs> I need yeah. you to tell me what's happening. Like, it would be cooler if this was like I, I think they just haven't fully grappled on like having a page without text. Sometimes it makes I mean it we, we've talked more, about this right? since like, Storenko in the '60s. This is this yeah. is not new. Yeah, no, exactly. But you know, you, it's kind of surprising when you're hitting like the '90s, where like 1994. You, it's kind of like, like secret yeah, identities, honestly. It's just like it takes a long yeah. time. Yeah, I really wonder when that's going to like fu- fully die out, where we're just not going to see these pages full and full of you know narrative prose. Well, don't don't hold your breath. It's <laughs> almost okay. <laughs> especially next comics. I'm assuming so. Yeah. A little bit. Um, all right. So uh, Generation X, uh, plot-wise, you know, so we have Banshee and Emma kind of leading a school here of, um, oh, did you mean uh, Did you mean Mark Buckingham, the Fables artist? Who did Not I Bill say? Willingham. He, he, he's inking uh, Bacello here in, in Generation X. I think maybe that's what you meant. Oh, I did totally just mix them. Who the hell's Bill Willingham? He's the writer of Fables. You got your Fables yeah. creative team. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I meant the writer. <laughs> Don't say yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're clearly no. no, that's what I meant. No, I, I knew he was the writer. Who the hell is Mark Buckingham? How, how, are, you, how are you defending this? I'm so baffled. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I'm very confused. This is incredible gaslighting. <laughs> I, well, I thought, I thought, maybe I don't know Bill Willingham's career. I assumed that he started out as an artist. Bill then, Willingham wrote fables. Mark yes, Buckingham yeah. was the artist. Uh huh. For my know, recollection, Mark him. Buckingham yeah, yeah, is inking is. Chris Patello here. Oh, that's funny. So I, I okay. read Mark Buckingham and then thought he was Bill Willingham, the writer of yes, fables. Yes, yeah. there which are many levels are ro- of wrong. Here. There are so no, many, I I, there are so many layers. Sure. And apologies to Mark Buckingham and his family for uh, implying that he was sneaking in conversation about Israel. <laughs> Well, he did was, draw it, so it's just as he's just as responsible. That's fair, maybe so. Yeah. Um, all right, so Generation X uh, starts coming out late 1994. Um, we kick off here with again our new, you know, our new character set, which is uh, Husk. We got Jubilee, which makes a lot of sense to have her with this group. We've got Monet, who goes by M. Uh, we got Sink, Everett Thomas, Skin, Angelo Espinosa, Chamber, Jonathan Starsmore, and uh, and that's the crew. And they're kind of the, these first three issues are really all about this antagonist known as Emplate, which is this really monstrous-looking individual. Uh, really, where Bacello gets to shine, I think, in in terms of like integrating something very detailed and spooky and haunting, but also very much of of a piece with what X Men comics look like at this time. Um, these three comics go down real smooth. Um, I I like these yeah. a lot. I I'm not like. Like, there are Generation X heads, definitely. You know, there are people who are like, this is absolutely my thing. You know, this got me into 90s comics, this and that. Uh, For me, I never had that experience because, like, I never... Like, this wasn't on Marvel Unlimited for the longest time. Like, it took... It took Marvel Unlimited, huh. like, years and years. Like, this is a recent thing. Like, we're recording this in 2022. I mean, it's only since in the 2020s that Generation X has even been moderately available um, digitally, which is kind of strange, you know, because it's, it's not an irrelevant series, and you've got, you know again like pretty well-known creators on it um but these three issues give you a great flavor for it what uh charlotte let's throw it to you what did you make of generation x uh what was your take i mean i i loved it and it's it's weird to me that it doesn't have like and i know it's maybe the it's it's, um it doesn't have as big stories but it's weird to me that it's not as well regarded as something like new mutants um only from those three issues so i know stuff can change um yeah and i was very curious to to discover the few characters from it I don't know from modern comics, so I don't know what happens to them. Uh, I won't say which ones uh, it is. Um, yeah, it was interesting. I'm also very curious about the I mean the bad guy. I have no idea who he is. What's what? Like I don't know him from more modern uh, comics. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that was his design is great, and he's like very. Horrific, almost like I could see Bill Sinkovich doing stuff. Uh, it's with, it's with very that. ripped out of Vertigo. Yeah, Vertigo. Yeah. Stuff. Well, and, that, and that's yeah. the Vertigo style that Pacello was a part of. <laughs> yeah. So right. it is. Yeah. You know, exactly. Carrying over. Yeah. He's that from himself. Yeah. I mean, um, great, yeah. great. Some great art on uh, on like Penance and uh, Chamber yeah. as well. Like Jonathan Starsmore. Ooh, like I love the we- like Chamber especially has the weirdest design of just yeah. like. It, it's not just his mouth that's flaming. It just kind of covers up vaguely his top third, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. it's a very messy, un, like, it's not symmetrical. It doesn't look designed, right? It's, like a, it's, just it's like an expanding black hole, you know? It's like this this empty space of fire. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah it, it's, a really, it's a really neat design. Um, I really appreciate that. It, to what you're saying, Dave, like, this series, I, I, 
I thought initially that it only had 30 issues, that it didn't go that long because that's all that's on Marvel Unlimited. No, it goes right. for 75. So Marvel Unlimited is yeah. still missing the back 45 of this. Um, so yeah, yeah, apparently not uh, not talked about that much. Yeah, well, and I, I think, don't know. I mean, well, let's, these characters seem like they've gotten popular in recent comics. More. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Let, let's is, talk is, about is that. that I want to talk about the popularity yeah. and the legacy of, of these characters. You know, so without spoiling anything. So like, I think... You know, to Charles' point, which was like, it's kind of weird that like this wasn't as big as New Mutants, right? Or like doesn't have that sort of legacy. Um, it makes me wonder how much, you know, like 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 how capable Marvel is of moving forward. You know what I mean? Because it, Generation X yeah. indicates something that I think kind of should and, and honestly does exist in X-Men, which is like every decade you introduce a new school. Like you introduce yeah. a new group of teenagers, that is X Men is so well suited for that, um, and that's a thing that actually will happen in the early two thousands with the Academy X characters. Uh, but that's a similar situation where it's like, well, because the New Mutants are kind of already our kids, it's like because they already kind of have the Claremont established kids, these new ones never really get to claim that for themselves, you know. Um, and and it, it shouldn't work that way because the New Mutants are growing up; they're in a new space. Um, it, it, but it's, it, and this is something that, um, Jonathan Hickman actually talked about in a recent interview on Jay Miles Explain the X-Men, um, where he was saying how he really loved Generation X. It was a particular favorite of his. And because of sort of the Marvel sliding timeline, like because Cyclops stays 30 forever or 28 or whatever we're mm-hmm. supposed to believe yeah. he is, that the new mutants can never quite grow up to their leadership position that they should be in now. And then the Generation X kids get kind of stuck in this limbo, Right. Um, and I, I think that's maybe part of the reason the legacy is qu- isn't quite as clear for these characters, even though, yeah. to your point, Zach, there's tremendous fandom and infinity for them now because, you know, now it's 30 years later and people who grew up on these comics are, you know, they're expressing their nostalgia and their, their buying power for these types of characters, you know? That is strange because it's like Rain and uh, Sam Guthrie, right, and uh, Sunspot, all them, are like, they're not fully, like, young adults yet but they definitely have gotten out of the like young kid mode yeah at this point in x-men yeah. but like i feel like that's where they're gonna stop at being like it, it means that like they can't make them grow up so they they do other things like they make them edgy right like rain sinclair is now <laughs> kind of a uh, <laughs> like i don't know if like, you want to see the edgiest rain sinclair read um the academy oh, x kids what is it 2002 new x-men maybe yeah or, or i forget that maybe it's don't. called new mutants <laughs> she wears the coolest boots and the coolest <laughs> leather you've ever seen oh my gosh i gotta share it yeah well the uh because it, it, it's weird if you read modern new mutants it's still all the original new mutants and they all still read as being like 1920 right but yeah. they do at this point they do have a clear, we are of an age where we are training the next generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. finally, now, right? 2021, 2022. Uh, generation X, you're kind of missing that. But I, but I do think, like, it is, the way this series kicks off is, like, that's how it should function. Like, this would be great if every decade we introduce a new group like this. And with Generation X, you know, I think what we're finding now is, like, this group was really great. <laughs> and yeah. I think yeah. with the exception of Monet, probably, um, most of the and Jubilee, who obviously is introduced well before this, most of these characters didn't really get a shine, a chance to yeah. shine until until a bit later. Um, there are exceptions, you know, they're they're around, but but yeah, so that that's kind of future. That's really, kind of where they're going. Page Page uh, Page Guthrie is the one who stands out here to me. Like she's the one I felt like was most well. That's because you've seen out. her naked in the, <laughs> in the uh, Austin <laughs> run. Well, the, here's the thing, Dave. She doesn't actually get naked, and people talking about 
them having sex in the sky. Uh, they're all making that up for their own weird horniness. That the didn't Chuck actually Austin happen. Defender has logged on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So my, my boy Chuck is unfairly maligned there. Fair. Good one. Yeah, and uh, how long has it been since, like, it seems crazy, but how long has it been since the Xavier Institute has been a school? Yeah. And that's from before the end of New Mutants, because by the end, they're like cables, uh, task force but they're not as the school is a is a training ground yeah yeah and it's it's very weird that before the 2000s it's it's more often than not the xavier institute isn't a school it's more like just x-men headquarters and like here and there a school uh, it's weird because from for me having discovered x-men with the movies i always have that idea in my mind that the X-Men Manor? Manor? Wait, Manor? Manor. Manor, thank you. I'm losing my English. Uh, is a school <laughs> and should should have plenty of young mutants in it studying. And that's just not a thing before the 2000s, I think. Yeah, yeah. That's a great call. It's like Generation X. I mean, it, it is a huge part of the appeal. Is like, hey, this yeah. is this is a school. <laughs> it is supposed to be a place of learning and for young people, even here if they're teens, um, to adapt to their mutant powers and get some training. Uh, and Generation X brings that back, and it is so welcome. I mean, I think anytime that happens, I, myself, I think a lot of readers are like really into that. Uh, and, and you're right that once we hit the 2000s, that kind of picks up again. Um, but yeah, I mean, it has been forever and yeah it is a thing where when you think about those movies and sort of the platonic ideal of an x-men comic there's just kids running around and like professor x is teaching kids about (laughs) you know the once and future king classic literature for children and uh (laughs) and (laughs) and like you just don't ever see that in x-men comics they are just purely the mutant superhero team version of this you know um there are not like there's like a jubilee, like a young person, um, or you know Ileana for a minute post post, post Inferno, but Generation yeah. X actually says, hey, what if we did a school again, and uh, and we did it with Emma and Sean leading it, and it, it's very fun as a result. Mm, yeah, agreed. <laughs> <laughs> my, so my my X Men energy is uh, is rapidly. Yeah, we can hear that. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah, I apo- I apologize. that happened approximately uh, eight years ago in the, uh, the memorable <laughs> year calendar. So true, no surprise true. there. I'm sorry. Um, hey, you know what? I will say that uh, Peter David's X Force is the X Men X Men thing that is still like. I think you mean X Factor. X Factor, you mean? Yeah. No, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's the one that I love a lot enough that I actually know the title of it. <laughs> X Factor and X Force is a a constant mix up for me. Yeah, I will, I, I, I will give yeah. you that one. Uh, all right, so that's that's the conversation here about Phalanx Covenant and, and Generation X. Um, pretty enjoyable comics. Uh, I, I definitely think yeah. it's worth it yeah, yeah. to read, uh, definitely to get you to Generation X and um, and to just kind of check out those those Lobdell and Bacello comics and see if you're into it. And I think a lot of readers will be. Next time yeah. on My Marvel This Year, 1994, Part 7, it'll be the final part of our 1994 coverage, and it's going to be a big one. We're going to talk about the kickoff of the Spider-Man clone saga. It is the embodiment of Marvel in the 90s. It is constantly relevant, and it is massive. Uh, And we are going to talk about it in depth. Uh, We'll also have a guest for that one, which should be fun. (laughs) So, clone saga, baby. Here we come. (laughs) Mid-90s comics. You know what I'm saying? Right? Yeah, we're here. We've been talking about it for over two years, like kind of dreading this moment, and it's finally here. (laughs) I'm not dreading Uh, part one. I'm only dreading what happens next <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah all right yeah I, I, i've heard that starts out pretty solid so 
Um, yeah, interesting stuff. I, I, you know what? For X Men, I am actually very excited about um, the uh, Age of Apocalypse. Still, I know mm-hmm. we've talked about yes. it, yes, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm getting up. Uh, you know, I'm building some expectations here. Just, uh, just for that that batch of uh, comics. I feel like it, it. It seems like it's something that's really going to shake up X Men a little bit, and also be a little bit of its own thing. Yeah, I mean, I think for interesting to me. Yeah, for for ninety five being as, on a, in a lot of ways tricky as it is to pick comics, um, mm-hmm. I the curated version, and, and this is actually something I, I don't know if I talked about this in the past or not. The curated approach to my Marvel this year has its downsides. Um, it has its downsides with really long, dense runs. You know, for example, the Claremont X Men, where it's like, well, we're not just going to read literally everything, but a lot of people might want to, and you'll probably get more out of it if you do. The nice thing with the mid-90s <laughs> is there isn't nearly as much stuff that you're going to want to read, frankly. So the the opportunity to curate and fast-track through it gives the appearance that there was a lower floor than, than mm-hmm. there actually yeah. is. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so when we fast-track so. our way through this, uh, there's, you know, we're going to get bottled up in the Clone Saga. We're going to get bottled up in Age of Apocalypse. But otherwise, otherwise, you know, there's... There's just some small, fun, kind of tiny. Like we're gonna do Scroll Kill Crew by uh, Grant Morrison yeah, and Mark, 19, Mark Miller in 1995. 1995 right? has barely any uh, like full series in it, right? Like we're reading some Captain America, but besides that, it's almost all just little mini series. A lot of weird mini series. Um, yeah. So like outside of the X Men Spider Verse, we're gonna do a bunch of the kind of the minis. Um, we're you know it's like and we're gonna have some writers that are pretty pretty well known and pretty well regarded, right? Kurt Busiek stuff, Grant Morrison. Um, Mark Wade, uh, Garth Ennis. So yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting experience. So what I'm saying is, stick around, stick around. I think what I've said in the past is, All right. are you are you leaving? You just, no, you <laughs> talked. You, talk, you talked me into sticking around. Oh okay, you, okay, you, good. You, oh. Okay. Yeah, you talked you talked me into it. That was a close one. All right. So, sale made, I think we can call it. Thanks, everybody, for listening today. Um, I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at Compact Herald. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at that handle. You can go to compactherald.com for more. You can go to mymarvelthisyear.com for, uh, for, you know, for a bunch of these things. You can also support the show and find all of the issues that we're reading over at patreon.com slash mymarvelthisyear. Charlotte can be found at Firo Charlotte on Twitter. Zach can be found at mymarvelthisyear. Music for the show is by Disaster Piece and maybe... Another thing to promote here at a later mm. date. Oh, our, our Patreon here. or I said uh, it. I said it. Oh, can you please rate your review oh. on iTunes if you like the show? Oh yeah, we haven't had a, we haven't had a new review on Apple Podcasts in a little while, uh, and we're thirsty. <laughs> and also, yeah, we also have <laughs> a, a negative one is sitting up top there because someone <laughs> complained about uh, us having a Patreon. So uh, if if someone leaves us a new review, that will get pushed out of sight, and I'd really appreciate it. Gosh, the the it is. I just have to address, like, mm-hmm. it is so fair to complain about how rich <laughs> these little independent podcasters are getting on Patreon. Yeah, I think, please come and thank us for having a Patreon to, to counterbalance, <laughs> I think. <laughs> thank you for making... Well, uh, here, here's the thing. If Well, I don't know. If you're listening to this show, it, it's very strange. It was a complaint about having to pay for the reading list. Um, That's not true. Funny, it's, that is not I true. I know it's not true. I said this a million it's, times. I know. I... Yeah, it kills me that you can't respond to iTunes comments. So I can't just be like, it's in every show. Every show we say it's in the show notes. It's right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway. So instead, you're just going to debate them via podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So right, if you, you write us what? a me- negative review, we will debate you without the opportunity. Well, I'll respond. have them on the podcast. Yeah. I'll, I will schedule. 
I will schedule them to come on. Th- if you want to get on this podcast, leave me a one star review. No, th- don't don't I'll, say that. <laughs> this is actually a very funny idea, but it is the worst idea. <laughs> yeah. No, it's terrible. It's a terrible idea. That will not happen. Okay. Anyway, okay. Yeah, good stuff. Please leave a review. Thanks everybody for listening, and we will see you next year. See you next year. See you next year.